Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney from How They Love Mary. And if you are looking for a great gift for confirmation or First Communion, might I recommend to you Sock Religious? I know someone that recently got confirmed. They chose St. Joseph as their confirmation saint. And I bought them a pair of St. Joseph socks from Sock Religious. They make the perfect gift. They are a fun gift and a gift that they will wear and hopefully they'll wear them to church. If you want more information about Sock Religious, Find the link in the show notes and help to support the show, How They Love Mary. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. During the season of Lent, I'm focusing a bit on the Stations of the Cross here on our podcast, and you know, Mary appears here in the Stations of the Cross. We journey with her. Probably she was there for the whole duration, but the fourth station of the cross is Jesus meets his mother. And we know from the Gospel of John that there Mary was at the foot of the cross. So she was there at the Passion. She was there as Jesus journeyed through the stations of the cross. Last week, we spoke uh, about the book Surrender All by Jen Norton, the artist. And this week, I'm happy to have on Emily Diardo, who is going to be sharing a little bit about her own book, Living Memento Mori, My Journey Through the Stations of the Cross. So welcome to How They Love Mary, Emily. Hi, thanks for having me. So, you know, right away, living memento mori. Now, if people are trendy and stuff, they know what memento mori is because they're on Catholic Twitter. But for those people who might not be as tech savvy, who haven't seen the hashtag memento mori, could you just describe or explain that phrase, memento mori? Um. Memento mori means remembered you will die. Uh, it's a Latin phrase that, you know, you're right, it's become very trendy lately. Um, but it actually has a pretty deep history in the church um, and in devotional practice. The idea that remembering that eventually we're going to die and that we need to be ready for that. We need to think about you know, our eternal destiny in that sense. Yes. And uh, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, it was Sister Teresa Althea Noble who really got this to be quite trendy in Catholic circles. She's She herself has written a Lenten devotional called Memento Mori. Uh, so uh, daily meditations to remember your death during the season of Lent. So living Memento Mori then is just, as you mentioned, remembering that we will die. And, and that's something that Jesus knew. That's something his parents knew. That's something we all know, that one day we will die. And it's really a spiritual principle to help us to make the best decision, to do the next right thing. And when it comes to memento mori for Jesus, it was predicted by Simeon in the temple, you know, that he was going to be a sign of contradiction, that a sword of sorrow would pierce Mary's heart. Even the gifts of the wise men, the myrrh, symbolizing, you know, a burial fragrance. That's something pointing towards death, even at the child's infancy when Jesus was born. 
And so as he picks up his cross, and as you point out then, uh, really uh, the end in sight, that Jesus being condemned to death, well, now he knows that the hour has arrived. That as uh, as he said to Mary at the wedding feast at Cana, my hour has not yet come. Well, now this is the hour ushered in Holy Thursday night now as he begins the Passion of the Cross. Now, you have a very kind of personal relationship, in a sense, with this idea of living memento mori, and the subtitle is My Journey Through the Stations of the Cross, because you really confronted death because of a a medical diagnosis of cystic fibrosis. So maybe could you just share what it's like living the Stations of the Cross uh, with such a medical diagnosis? um Cystic fibrosis CF is a um, a genetic disease that um, affects mostly the pancreas, affects mostly the lungs and um, the digestive system of the body. And basically, uh, um, what it does the the mucus in your body it makes it really thick, so it um, it's hard to expel from your lungs. It can sit there and cause all sorts of infections, and eventually um, what happens is your lungs become so scarred that you really can't breathe. Um, And so when I was in my early 20s, I was listed for a double lung transplant. And fortunately, I um, received one in um, July of 2005, and that really, you know, saved my life. But I didn't know if it was going to happen. So, you know, I had to hope that it would happen. But also at the same time, I had to prepare myself for the fact that I might die. Um, and, you know, when you're 23, that's generally not something you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. So, um yeah, my story with um, with cystic fibrosis and with all the um, the complications of that are woven throughout the book. Yeah. Now, how did your family, how did your friends take to this? You know, the idea that at 23 that you could pass from this life, there there probably was some fear on their part. And, you know, just as Jesus on the way of the cross, he had individuals, you know, complete strangers, really. Simon of Cyrene, Veronica, these women of Jerusalem. Well, there they are along the way of the cross, and they're there to help Jesus, really to comfort him, to console him. And so how did your friends uh, react to that, and how did they do that for you? I am very lucky to have um, some very supportive and um, and great friends. Um, you know, my um, my best friends are people that I've known since high school, and since we're all about to be forty, um, that's not a, a small amount of time. I mean, I've known these these guys for twenty five years, and so I've been very lucky to have friends that have supported me in you know those moments when I've been in the hospital or I haven't been able to really do things um you know they they adapted they still you know wanted to include me in activities they would come over they would visit me in the hospital um and in the book I talk about you know some specific examples of that but I've been very blessed to have 
people that have been very loving and supportive. And along the way, of course, we turn to the saints for intercession. Maybe there was a specific saint you turned to, uh, you know, to secure that grace, that miracle that you were praying um, for. <laughs> yeah, um, there have been a couple. Uh, my confirmation saint was Saint Therese of Uzu, and I actually chose her. Um, because she died of tuberculosis, um, which I ended up contracting a non um, non contagious form of TB when I was in high school. So it was like, good pick, Emily. Um, so Saint Therese has always been important to me because you know not only of the you know the way she died and the um, the the diagnosis that she had, but also because of her little way, you know, sure. I'm not able to do things that I might like to do because my body just doesn't let me do them. But that doesn't mean that I can't still uh, and dedicate my life to God, even though I might not be able to do everything that I want to do for him. Well, one of the things you mentioned with St. Therese and turning to her intercession, she dies of tuberculosis, but... For St. Therese, when she was a young girl, they thought she was going to die. And in fact, in her room, she had the statue of Our Lady, and according to the story of a soul, it comes to life. And then Mary smiles at her, and then she's healed, and she's able to go on to serve the Lord all the days of her life, to join the Carmelite Monastery, and ultimately then to die in the odor of sanctity. So Mary was very much a present of St. Therese's life, Mary's there along the way of the cross. How was Mary involved in your own way of the cross? Mary is so important. Uh, I actually have a copy of um, the statue that was in St. Therese's room um, here in my office because I've, I've just always loved that story. Um, my, my parents uh, were, well, and are devoted to Our Lady of Fatima. And so when... I was growing up, um, I actually had a little statue of Mary and um, the three children in my room. Um, so we said the family rosary. Um, my dad would pray the rosary with us on the way to school in the morning. Um, you know, I, I would see them you know, reading books about Mary. So Mary and piety and Mary and devotion was, was something that I grew up with. And it's something that I've always loved. Um, I've always loved the rosary just because it's such a uh, adaptable prayer. I mean, I've said the rosary, you know, in hospital rooms and when, you know, I've been feeling terrible and I've said the rosary, you know, daily pretty much for most of my life. So uh, Mary is just completely uh, vital for me and for my prayer life, because she is such a, not only a great role model, but she's so um, human. You know, there's nothing that, that we experienced that Mary didn't experience. Yeah, so that to me is, is very important. And uh, in that chapter, actually, on the fourth station, you make reference to your family uh, having kind of a love for the image of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. And that's a, very, that's a very interesting icon because we talk about the passion of Jesus in terms of the Stations of the Cross. And 
Uh, mm-hmm. She's holding, or the angels in that image are holding the instruments of torture. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, the, the, the lance that pierces his side, for example. So there's a, a powerful image there connected uh, to the way of the cross. Right. Um, and that actually came to me pretty early in, in writing this book, because originally um, it was just a straight memoir. But my editor had the idea of um, attaching the stations to it. And when I started looking at the four station, I thought, oh, well, Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Um, who, you know, I explained in the book my, why my mom is, um, is devoted to that particular image. Um, but yeah, the, the whole idea of, you know, Jesus being afraid of, of what was going to happen to him. And, you know, he jumps into her arms so quickly that he actually has lost a shoe. Um, it, it's just a very touching and, and human, um, icon. During the Lenten season, people pray the stations. That's probably the most common time that people pray the stations of the cross now of course you can pray them throughout the year they adorn our church walls all year long but as people do pray the stations of the cross this year of course they're going to use small little devotional books and they're going to focus on the the passion death of jesus but what you do here is as you mentioned kind of like memoirish is that you offer kind of your own experience of living the Stations of the Cross. And so you were able to come to identify with each of those 14 stations. And I guess, how is it that other people, other individuals uh, who pray the Stations, how can they begin to incorporate this spirituality of the Stations and see their own life as a way of the cross? I think that one of the most fruitful things that comes from meditating on the stations is the idea that we are not alone in our suffering. Um, I think it's in Hebrews where it says, you know, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. When we look at the stations of the cross, either, you know, as a whole or just, you know, if you choose to meditate on, on one particular station, we see Jesus suffering out of love for us and also the knowledge that whatever we are suffering we are not alone even though we might feel that we are um i think it's a it's a powerful meditation on how christ is always with us you know and especially now when so many of us are still you know isolated in our homes or not able to go to church um we can feel very lonely and very separate, but Christ is always with us and he understands our sufferings, physical, emotional, and mental. And so really we all are journeying through the stations of the cross in our own life. We realize that we have little sufferings. Some of them might be small, others might be big like yours. When it comes to writing this book and focusing on the Stations of the Cross, was there one station that emerged as your favorite Station of the Cross? One that, you know, maybe you're in a church and you're like, I really like looking at that station or or has some sort of great meaning to you? Um, it, it's actually the fourth when, when Jesus meets his mother. Um, you know, not just 
you know, saying that because of the, the podcast title. But it, it's it's when Mary uh, when Mary meets Jesus because it's it, 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 there's so much richness in that station. I think you know Jesus seeing his mother and knowing that you know she is suffering right along with him. Mary seeing him fulfill what he was born to do, but you know still and no mom wants to see their child suffer. So. The fourth station to me is just such a, a a lovely and profound meditation. Sure. And, you know, I think for you, in terms of relating this to your own living memento mori in your own life, confronting that, having your mother there alongside you. And, you know, we need our parents. We need our mothers. And in our life, we need our heavenly mother. And we know that she is such a great intercessor that so many people have turned to her throughout time and have experienced uh, many different graces from her prayers that she obtains, you know, at Cana, that wine, for example, for the wedding couple. And she wants to do that for all of us. And you know, I think it's often in those times of suffering that people experience kind of, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do or the the moment where it's like, I, I just am at a loss. And what do they often do? Well, they turn to Mary. They turn to the rosary. They go to her shrines. They light candles. And that's what they do because they know that Mary as a mother will comfort. And how much comfort did Jesus receive then as uh, he received that glance of love from his mother along the way of the cross as he heard her voice as she cried out for him? So there's some richness there. There's some profoundness there, I think, uh, as we reflect on that fourth station. Right. It, it just, it, to me, it just has so much um... And, and, I mean, you know, all the stations do, but in particular, that one. What do you hope that people will get out of this book as they read Living Memento Mori, as they read your own reflections on these stations, and then ultimately they go to their parish church and they pray the stations? What's the big takeaway you want people to have? The first thing is um, something I already touched on, the idea that, we are not alone in our suffering. That Jesus has gone before us. He knows. He understands. And so, you know, we're never alone in those moments in our lives when we can most feel that we are alone. The second thing is that a life with suffering does not necessarily mean that your life is worthless or not going according to plan. Um, I've been reading Fulton Sheen's Life of Christ, and one of the things that he says in there is, you know, Jesus' whole life led up to the cross. And our crosses are given to us to help us become more like Christ. Now, that doesn't mean we have to like our suffering. It doesn't mean that, you know, we are... We have to be thrown with the idea, but you know there is there's a plan that God has for everyone, and your cross is part of that plan. Yeah, for me, as I just look at your book and and uh, come to understand 
the the stations of the cross as I pray them, I lead the faithful in it. I just really always hope that people will begin to identify with each one of the stations, that they can see those moments in which they've had mm-hmm. a Simon of Cyrene or a Veronica where they've needed Mary. And uh, just to make the stations quite personal, that's, that's one of my hopes as people always pray the stations. And I think books like yours that give reflections really bring that out. It really draws that out and uh, helps people to understand that what Jesus underwent, also we will, but also at the same time that as Jesus undergoes his passion and he dies, placed in the tomb while well, he rises from the dead. And that's your epilogue. And, you know, you talk about the scars, the glorious scars of Jesus and how now with your lung transplant, the scarred lungs have been replaced. And so there is always, uh, at the end of suffering, there's always that hope. There's always new life uh, that Jesus promises. Exactly. Um, and I, I think that that's, important normally you know in the stations of the cross you just have 14 you know you do there usually isn't a depiction of the resurrection but i thought it was important to put in an epilogue and sort of you know tell the readers hey this is how it turned out um and you know with looking back i was able to see you know all these things that have happened and sort of the result of, you know, what I've gone through and how it ended up. Um, and I think it is important to remember that suffering doesn't last forever. Um, Mother Teresa used to say, you know, the joy of Easter has to come. The joy of the resurrection has to come. And that's the real end of the story, not, you know, what happened on Good Friday. Definitely. And, uh, and ultimately, at the end of our life, you know, living memento mori, if we remember our death, well, we're remembering the fact that we're going to live with Jesus forever, that if we live a life uh, worthy of the Lord, that one day we will inherit the kingdom, that what Jesus says on the cross to that good thief, today you'll be with me in paradise, he's mm-hmm. going to say that to you and to me as we go out and meet him as our merciful judge. Right. Um, you know, that, that's the goal, right? Before <laughs> the goal is, is heaven. And so, yes, we, we all hope that we hear today you will be with me in paradise. Definitely. Well, beautiful. Well, thanks so much for writing this book and sharing it, uh, with so many people. Is this the second or the third length that people have had this book available to them? Second, it came out last January. Yeah, it came out in 2020, right before a pandemic, where everybody was realizing I could die from a virus, right? So (laughs) how timely uh, that you could really ultimately live memento mori and pray the stations when this book came out. And, you know, there is still that fear for some, uh, especially underlying health conditions uh, uh, of death associated with the COVID-19. I know that deaths are kind of going down and that the cases are going down, but um, I have a funeral this week for someone that uh, died from COVID-19 or had COVID-19 and died from complications resulting from it. So so it is a, a moment of remembering I could die and uh, always to make those good choices and decisions uh, with our life. 
Now, one of the things, Emily, that I do is I I simply just ask a few questions at the end of each episode about your own Marian devotion and kind of just to see what that entails. So when it comes to the Blessed Mother, you know this, she has many names. We've talked about a few of them here, Our Lady of Fatima and Mary as the Mother of Perpetual Help. Is there a favorite title of Mary that you use in prayer, just one that you just really like? really good question um i like you know obviously our lady of perpetual help um i also like our lady of lords um that that you know as a personal connection um that that i like to to use in prayer and um also our lady of grace the, the two that i like to use the most is there a sacramental that you have that uh, means a lot to you, or maybe just a sacramental that you use uh, in your own life, a Marian uh, sacramental? Um, yes, I have. I mean, I always have a rosary with me. Um, I have, you know, I went to Catholic school. I'm a cradle Catholic, so there are many rosaries in my house. Um, and I also have um, a Seven Sorrows um, chaplet, which um, I just recently started. Uh, praying regularly. So those two are always around. <laughs> How about a favorite passage of Mary in the sacred scriptures? Um, the wedding at Cana, do whatever he tells you. Yeah, lots of people love that one. And uh, how about the rosary? You mentioned praying the rosary. You carry a rosary with you. Now, lots of people sometimes say, I just don't know if I pray the rosary well. Do you have a tip, uh, a rosary tip that might help them engage that prayer a bit better? I really find rosary um, devotional books helpful. Um, Magnificat makes one that's, you know, really tiny. You can carry it around with you. Uh, but there's a little meditation, but then there's also art. And I find looking at the art for each station is a really great tool for meditation because I always see something else in those pictures, you know, no matter how many times I've looked at it. So, um, that, and if you're not used to praying rosary, you know, take it slow. You don't have to pray every mystery every day. You can work up to it. <laughs> Definitely. And uh, how about a favorite Marian apparition? So she's appeared all over the world, spoke these messages. Is there one that resonates with you more than others or one that you dream of going to that you haven't been to? Um, I would really, I haven't actually. Um, there's a shrine in Ohio um, in Cary. I think it's called Our Lady of the... Our Lady of Consolation. That's it, Our Lady of Consolation. I've been there, um, but it's been a long time, so I'd like to go back there. Um, I would like to go to Lourdes. Definitely, yeah. And, you know, Lourdes is a place of healing and, and all of that, you know, and so to experience continual healing for your own situation. Do you have a Marian prayer? So there's lots of prayers to Mary, some that are written by the saints, others from the scriptures, like the Hail Mary. Is there a prayer to the Blessed Mother that you often will turn to, you know, especially at a moment's need? Uh, the Memorare. Yeah, that's very popular, and lots of people always love talking about St. Teresa of Calcutta and how she would pray those nine memoraries and a tenth mm -hmm. one in Thanksgiving. So, yeah, 
And the words of the Memorari are so powerful too. You know, never was it known that anyone was ever left unaided. And so that's great confidence when we approach Mary uh, in that intercessory role then. Uh, how about a favorite book about the Blessed Mother, one that you would recommend to people that you've read uh, to read? Um, let's see here. Look at my bookshelf. Um, if you have, if you want to know more about Marian devotion, um, and you know, it's roots in the church. I really like Hans, Hey, Holy Queen. And right now I'm reading, um, a book by Mother Mary Francis called Cause of Our Joy, which yeah. is, um, meditations about Mary under, you know, her different titles and on her feast days, um, and I've really enjoyed reading that. Mother Mary Frances was such a wonderful writer, and this book is really great for daily meditation. Yeah, her Lenten book and her Advent book are out of this world as well. So uh, I'll tell you a little secret about uh, Mother Mary Frances uh, off air, because uh, it would be like one of those little spoiler alert type things. So anyways, <laughs> when you go to Mass on a Marian feast day, is there a Marian song that you hope to hear? Mm-hmm. Um, oh gosh, good question. I, I, I really love, like, um, you know, Hail Holy Queen. Um, I, I really like the Baku note, Ave Maria, which you don't sing, you know, congregationally. Yes, yeah. It's a, it's a, a vocal solo, but, um, that's probably my favorite version of, of Ave Maria. Nice. Well, very good. That is your Marian profile, just talking a little bit about Mary in your own life. And we've talked a lot about Mary today, especially in, in her role of the fourth station as we live Memento Mori, your book, Living Memento Mori, My Journey Through the Stations of the Cross, available from Ave Maria Press. It's one of those books when you pick it up and you read it, you're going to begin to understand why we pray the stations. It's going to become much more personal to you that uh, not only is it something that we're following Jesus along, but we're going to see how that impacts yourself uh, as you walk along with Jesus, and you'll find yourself also then in the Stations of the Cross. So, Emily, thanks so much for joining me today on How They Love Mary. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary. And if you've enjoyed today's podcast and want to support the podcast, I'd encourage you to do so by becoming a member at Patreon. By supporting this podcast on Patreon, you will help to pay for the monthly fees associated with the podcast and the a possibility of upgrading equipment and also putting money into advertising and promotion. If you like this podcast, I'd encourage you to share it with your family and friends. And please like it and review it on Apple Podcasts. Post about this podcast on your social media. And when you're on your social media, you can follow me, Father Edward Looney, at the handle at FR Edward Looney on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I can't wait to share another episode of How They Love Mary with you next time, so be sure to tune in then. Until then, let us remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.